Hey there, and welcome to Refuge Church Podcast. My name is Nicole, and I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. And this week, we wrapped up our series in Nehemiah. Throughout this series, we've looked at our past, our present, and our future. And just like the children of Israel, we reminisced on the things that God has done, and we celebrated them. And we continue to see evidence of the Spirit of God at work in our little church of misfits. So this week, we dove deep into how we can continue to support the work God is doing in Fort Myers, Florida. This week, we talk about being a deep church and what it means to be deeply connected to Jesus and deeply connected to one another so that we can bear fruit and make disciples. If you're looking for a home church, we invite you to come check us out on Saturdays at 5. But for now, just sit back and enjoy this message on Deep Church. Good evening. So, um... I have a favorite icebreaker game that I like to play um, with kids, ministries, and youth, and young adults, and high school, and all that. And I've played it with um, college and career. I've done it all sorts of times. Um, And I even was tempted to try and get you guys to play it tonight. Um, It's a variation on um, the floor is lava. We all know what the floor is lava is, right? So the way that I like to play it is I separate um, two teams and give each team the same amount of supplies, the exact same supplies, like a pair of shoes, a piece of paper. This is me playing it with kids at um, VBS this year. And they had like felt pieces, shoes, but they all have the exact same piece is the exact same supplies and uh, the floor is lava. And so the object of the game is to, so if like when we play it here tonight, (laughs) there you go. You laugh at my jokes. I don't make you play. (laughs) So if we were to play it here tonight, we would start on one end here and the finish line would be over here. You would take your pieces, take your team, and the object would be to get your entire team across the finish line and all of your pieces across the finish line. That's really, really important. You got to get all your pieces across the finish line. And it doesn't matter. This is what I love about icebreaker games and things like this. I started to, I started to do icebreaker games at VBS is because like the kids weren't really, like they were kind of picking on each other. They weren't really talking. They weren't really engaged. So you do these icebreaker games and then you hit them with the Bible. And that's, the, that's just like really, really good children's ministry education for you. So <laughs> anyways, so we play this game and it doesn't matter how introverted you are, how extroverted you are. It doesn't matter how shy you are. It doesn't matter if you know everybody or nobody on your team. They're called icebreakers for a reason. They break the ice. It makes you work with the people you're with. It makes you talk to them, get to know them, makes you work as a team to accomplish this goal. And you get to get from one end of a 10 by 10 room to the other. And usually a team always wins. A team always figures out how to do it. And um, they figure out how to work together. They figure out what needs to be done to get all the people and all the pieces across. And they, and they win. And it's usually just a piece of candy. At VBS, these kids went hard and violent for one piece of like individually star, like individually wrapped starburst. Like they wanted that pink starburst. And so they, they went hard. Like I see like the people who were with the kids that would like they, it got out of hand in there. So anyways, so who's ready to play? (laughs) Really? Let me, (laughs) just kidding. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Nicole. I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. And tonight we are wrapping up our series in Nehemiah. 
And something you may not know about Nehemiah is that he's the shortest man in the Bible. Now you might be thinking, Nicole, but Zacchaeus. Well, he was Nehemiah. I told my mom that I would work that joke into my, one of my messages, and I figured that since this is the last night, that's, that's how we're going to do it. So, Nehemiah, <laughs> it's a good, it is a good one. It's a good one. So, in this series, in the series of Nehemiah, we've talked about rebuilding, reconstructing, reestablishing, unity, prayer, working together, and we've barely made it past chapter five of a 13-chapter book. So, it makes you wonder, it makes you ask the question, does this wall ever get built? Do they ever cross the finish line? Do they get all of their team and all of their supplies across the finish line to get their one pink starburst? The answer is yes. We get the wall, we get Jerusalem, and ultimately it gets us to Jesus. But the goal for Nehemiah and the goal for the people in the story, it wasn't just about building a wall. It wasn't just about having A wall for Nehemiah to stand back and look up and say, well, now that's a wall. It's like when I play blocks with my kids, I built, Justin and I have talked about this, like we spend time building this tower for them to just, and uh, Godzilla it over. But I build that tower and I'm like, look at that tower. It's beautiful. That's not what it was about. There was a purpose. There was a reason for building this wall. If we think back to week one, when I taught and I introduced Nehemiah uh, to a, to you guys, where did we start? Who started, who sparked this desire in Nehemiah? Anybody remember? It's okay, I'll tell you. Ezra, it was Ezra. And what Ezra did is in the book before we get to Nehemiah is his goal was to rebuild the temple, to reestablish worship within the city of Jerusalem. Ezra's goal was to restore the spiritual health of Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew that the temple and the worship to God would not survive without security and protection. So he caught Ezra's vision, he got his hands dirty, and he set out to rebuild the wall so that the people within the wall could go deeper, so that the people within the wall can go deeper in their worship, they could go deep in their relationship with God, and they could go deep in their relationship with one another. So we're going to jump to Nehemiah 8 this week. And Nehemiah had finally accomplished his mission. The wall was built, and you could say that the easy part was over. Yes, there was uh, adversity and difficulty in trying to build the wall. There's a whole chapter written about how they were building with one hand and had a sword in the other. Yes, there was difficulty in building the wall. But the difficult part is now rebuilding the spiritual lives of the people within the wall, making sure that these people stay deeply connected to God, deeply connected to one another. Only after the main work of Nehemiah had been done were they able to undertake the principal purpose of their mission, and that is the spiritual health, the spiritual well-being, and the worship of God. And so building walls can be built in a matter of days or even months, unless you live in Southwest Florida where it takes three to four years. But building our spiritual maturity, building um, who we are in Christ and becoming what God wants us to be and doing what he wants us to do, that's a much longer and a much more challenging process. So we're going to look at Nehemiah 8, verse 1, and this is what it says. All the people assembled with a unified purpose. 
We talked, David talked about that last week, unity and coming together for the same goal, for the same purpose. So all the people assembled with a unified pur- purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So Ezra's making, uh, uh, he's coming back out. He's bringing out the the law of the, the Lord, the scriptures, everything that they're to obey. He comes out. And so on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included men, women, and all the children old enough to understand. He faced a square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon, and he read aloud to everyone who could understand. And all the people listened closely to the book of the law. So there you have it. The point of the message is now services will go from one hour to six hours because Nehemiah said so, because that's what we need to do to build our spiritual maturity. Who's with me? One. I thought so. So what we see happening here is not just the, not the length of time that Ezra was reading scriptures to them, but what we see here is that even before Ezra started to read scriptures, even before the law started to be read, is that we see evidence that the Spirit of God was moving within Jerusalem. The Spirit of God was moving within the people of Israel. We see that because they were working together, united together, supporting one another, supporting the work that God wanted to be done. They were engaging and participating in the work that was to be done to rebuild, to reestablish, not just the physical walls, not just the physical protection, not just what they needed physically, but also their spiritual needs. In a few weeks, A few weeks ago, sorry, I talked about those who laid the foundations of this church, those who were obedient to the call of God and began something beautiful here at Refuge seven years ago. And the fact that I ended up here, the fact that you are here tonight, the fact that any of us have ended up at Refuge is evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in this church, within its staff, within its teachers, within its uh, leaders, that God is working in Refuge. We've lost people, we've gained people, we've rearranged some things, restructured some things, learned some things, studied some things. We go deep in scripture, theology, and worship, and relationships, and now refuge is a safe place for all people to go deep in their connection to Jesus. And so being a deep church and coming together to listen and learn and understand God's word is important. I don't want to minimize how important gathering together is. It's, it's um, what we're doing here is, like I said, proof that God is moving in our personal lives and corporately. But it's more than just coming together. It's more just coming in and sitting underneath Brian, David, and myself and learning from us and learning how to dive deep and sort out our belief systems and our thoughts. But it's also vital that we align ourselves with what God is doing. We align ourselves with the Spirit of God at work within our church to, be, to cooperate and be obedient to what he's asking us to do. And to benefit fully from God's word, we need to engage and participate. And not just the physical rebuilding, not just the physical structuring, but the spiritual rebuilding. Aligning with God's work and his leading for the purpose and future of refuge. And rather than labels or our beliefs, we as a church want to be defined 
by our faithfulness to Christ, by our faithfulness to his word, by our foundation on Jesus. So you can say what you want about my theology, about my belief system, but my foundation, what I believe as a person, as a pastor, as a leader, is on Christ. My, my whole faith system is built on the foundation of Jesus. So we want to be marked by our willingness to move past labels and ideologies and deconstruction, reconstruction, but to go deep, to go deep with one another and deep in our connection to Christ and build a foundation on Jesus. The deeper we go, the more connected to Christ we become. The more connected to Christ we become, the more fruit will produce. And that is a direct quote that I took out of one of Brian's sermons when he preached about how refuge is a deep church. The deeper we go, the more we become connected to Christ. And the more we are connected to Christ, the more fruit we produce. Nehemiah 8, 6 says this, then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, being gathered together, worshiping together, strengthening not only their faith, but their bonds and their relationships with one another. There's unity in prayer as they declared amen. Brian talked about that. He talked about how prayer um, is a foundation a foundation of who we are here at Refuge. And he, he guided us through this beautiful time of corporate prayer, teaching us how to pray together and, and, and when we're on our own uh, in our quiet time with the Lord. There's unity in prayer and worship. And this, it fosters a deepness. This deepness that we're talking about brings a sense of belonging when we're working in unity as a family on mission. When we're focused on prayer, focused on worship, focused on the spiritual health of the people within our family, and focused on relationship. Verse 12 in Nehemiah 8 says, So the people went away to eat and to drink at the festive meal, to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy because they have heard God's word and they understood them. We are a deep church, and so we value deep study and we value understanding of God's word. And in Nehemiah 8, the people's understanding of the law also deepens their spiritual knowledge and deepens their connection to God. And I love verse 12 because it talks about how they celebrated together, how they came together, what they did together after hearing the word of the Lord. That's why Brian talked about from 5 to 5.30, we're coming in to connect, to eat together, to fellowship together, to get to know one another so that we can go deep with each other as we go deep in Christ. Our deep connection with him is how we then connect to one another, serve one another, and serve our community. Jesus reminds us that this connection is important in John 15 when he says, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So our connection to Christ is vital as we engage and participate with one another. 
the children of Israel, they eat together, they drink together, they celebrate together. This is a deep church, is what a deep church should look like, actively engaging with God's mission and God's people. And so as an introvert, it's like really easy to come to church, do my job, and then leave. I have mastered the art through the years of avoiding conversations when I feel like my social cup is full. And if I'm, you know, introverts in the room, you know that that's true, right? All the introverts are like, don't call on me, don't call me out. So while, and we are a church full of introverts. That's something that makes us unique is that we are a church full of introverts looking for community. And so as introverts, I know you're out there, I know because you're the quiet ones. We must then be, oh, you're not an in- introvert. <laughs> I know where that who came from and I know you're not an introvert. So who did it? Oh, snap. <laughs> so we must be over-intentional. Our introverted selves must be overly intentional about how we foster the sense of community and engagement as a family here at Refuge. Because being a deep church isn't just about deep study and deep theology. I think I've gotten up here and gone deep in my belief systems, and I've gone deep in how we can deconstruct, and I've gone deep in all of these things. But it's, it's important, don't get me wrong, studying these things and finding out uh, the things of God, but also deep relationships, deep community, deep fellowship with one another is what fosters that sense of belonging. Like I said, it's not just about a wall. It's not just about a building. It's not just about our theology, but it's about those of us inside the wall who study together, who pray together, who worship together and fellowship together. Rebuilding the spiritual lives of Jerusalem meant building deep relationships And we can talk about service and children's ministry and youth ministry and AV and security and giving and greeters and all of these things until we're blue in the face. But our goal truly needs to be deep relationships with one another. Having walls, having a safe place, but also having a family inside of those walls. And again, that's why we're trying to, as leaders, most of, most of the, at least half of the leadership team are introverts. And I talked to Brian about this yesterday. It's like, I was intentional this week. I went to the gym. I got my alone time. I refilled my cup so that I, I could be prepared to be social. And you're probably, if you're sitting there thinking like, I don't want to be at a church where the pastor has to prepare, be prepared to be nice to me, look, then this is... <laughs> This might not be the church for you, but I'm sorry, I've, I've, I'm 35 years old. I've come a long way to know that I need to recharge to be on socially. That's true of a lot of us. So I'm being intentional so that when I'm out there from 5 to 5.30, I can shake as many hands, talk to as many people as I can, get to know everybody as well as I can in this church so that you feel like I'm someone you can come to to discuss some of these deep things that we might not get to touch on while we're in service. So back to our story, back to Nehemiah. So Jerusalem had lived through this shared experience of exile, destruction, death, rebuilding threats, dangers, fighting, praying, worshiping. The collective experience became the shared memory and a spiritual milestone for the community. And this deep connection, this deep shared, the things that they went through, these, these shared spiritual memories fostered a deep connection, but it also deepened their commitment to one another. The physical rebuilding and the practicalities of sustaining a city gave way to the greater work for a spiritual revival. 
And this revival was launched by the reading of God's word. The reading of the law was not meant to produce mourning, to look back and say, oh, remember how good things were before exile. Oh, remember how good things were when we first opened the doors. Remember when that person was here or so-and-so was here. It used to be this way. It used to be so good when we did things this way. But Ezra didn't stand up to read the law of the Lord to, to mourn and to sit in the stink of the way things used to be, but to celebrate the victory of what they had accomplished, to celebrate the victory of where they are now, that they are now a safe place where people can worship. They were joyful, and they had hope for the future of hope of what was to come. Now, it may have taken three, four, five hundred years, but the Messiah was coming, and hope was coming, and restoration was coming, and healing was coming. We think about the past. We remember the past because it's a good reminder that God has been at work within our wall, the walls of refuge since day one. And he still has a plan. He still has a purpose. He still has a future for this unicorn church of messy misfits. So like I said, refuge is a deep church, but it's also a committed church. Let's jump to Nehemiah 10 and verse 28. It says, the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. And they swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord, our Lord. The key the key phrase in this verse is the rest of the people. See, in verse, uh, verses 1 through 27 of chapter 10, it's just a list of names. It's 27 verses of, there it is. That's all, you got all that? And I could have sat here and tried to pronounce names like uh, Brian and David, but I'm smart enough to use verses without names. So <laughs> work smarter, not harder. Just kidding. Um, so this list of names are all the servants, all the Levites, all the important men who signed a sealed covenant before the Lord to be protectors, to be servants of the temples, to be servants of the city of Jerusalem. You know, the people that you expect to do all the work, the people you expect to sign that contract, the pastors, the worship leaders, the deacons, the elders, the board members, you know, all the people that you expect to be listed there. Those people who take responsibility and, and take care of everything. But then it says in verse 28, after the names of all these people, the rest of the people. They joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. And it said everyone who heard and understood, everyone who experienced the spirit of God, everyone who benefited from Nehemiah and Ezra's work, men, women, children, servants, the rest of the people, everybody who heard and understood, the rest of the people made a covenant and made a commitment to God and to their community, to their fellow man. And it was a public covenant. They did it all together in a public place. And it wasn't just a personal promise between each person and God. They did it in front of people because they wanted others to see and to know about it. So tonight, what I'm going to ask you to... Just kidding. <laughs> all the introverts were like, no. No. <laughs> 
This public covenant served two purposes, showing the community around them that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. I'm showing up. I'm committed to showing up and doing what you need me to do. And there was also accountability, you know, and sometimes that can like carry like a negative, like a negative weight to it. Cause I remember having accountability partners in like middle school and high school that you like shared your deep, dark secrets with so that when you messed up, they were like, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. So that, that, not that kind of ability, but that there is that accountability that says, Hey, you're not showing up. What's up? But here at Refuge, we have, for me, I have noticed the accountability that Brian and I have shared, David and I have shared, Brandy and I have shared, is it's not like, hey, you're not doing your job. What the heck is wrong with you? It's like, hey, you're not doing your job. What the heck is wrong with you? (laughs) Tone is everything. But it says, hey, friend, you're not doing what you said you do. Is everything okay? What's going on in your life? Talk to me. Can I help you do something? Can I help you get to where you're going? And this public commitment says, I'm here for you. You're here for me. You keep me on track, and I'll keep you on track. They came together, committed to both God and to the common purpose. They were united. And this demonstrates what we mean when we say we're a deep church, believers joining together with a common goal, a common purpose, studying God's word, worshiping, building the kingdom of God. And it's not just about my individual commitment to living like Jesus, but also working together with everyone a part of this body to love like Jesus. Deep church means strong, deep church means strong connections to God and to each other. In addition, we're going to keep going, Nehemiah 10, verses 31. In addition, we promise to obey the command to pay the annual temple tax, one-eighth of an ounce of silver, to take care of the temple of our God. We will provide for the bread of the presence, for the regular grain offerings, for the burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbath, the new moon celebrations, the annual festivals, the holy offerings, and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel. It will provide everything necessary for the work of the temple of our God. And then chapter 10, verse 39, it ends like this. It says, we promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. The people committed themselves to God and to his temple, to his work, to his purpose, to making sure God's mission was accomplished in service and in giving. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because this isn't a message about giving or asking for money. In fact, I'm probably one of those people who gets triggered by tithing and offering messages because I've seen how poorly funds can be mishandled in churches. But this is one way that we stand committed with our church. This is one way we stand committed with our body, with the body of believers. And if you look at verses 32 and 33, it talks about what that one-eighth of an ounce of silver goes to. It goes to atoning for sin. It goes for temple activities to make sure that God is worshipped. It goes to making sure the doors stay open and people stay uh, spiritually healthy. It goes to making sure the work gets done so that people could atone for their sins, celebrate all of their festivals, celebrate together, celebrate as a family, have a home where people are welcome so that one day they could get to the Messiah. In Nehemiah, the people committed to give a portion of their resources 
And this wasn't just about, um, it wasn't just about uh, monetary or financial giving. It was stewardship going beyond that. Being good stewards of time and talents and resources for the benefit of the temple, for the benefit of its mission. And just as the Israelites recognized their responsibility to support the house of God, we should too also understand our role in upholding our church community and upholding what God is doing here. That our commitment is to God's word and to supporting each other. And this is crucial for a deep and thriving church. I'm going to invite the band to come up because uh, it'll help me close faster. So, I'm engaged. I'm planning a wedding. I thought there would be more cheers for that, but whatever. (laughs) And I'm planning a wedding. And I plan to make a formal commitment to my fiancé. And honestly, um, I never thought that I'd get get married for a lot of reasons um, that my therapist and I have discussed in great detail. (laughs) Um, But one of those, kind of stupid, kind of silly, probably heard it before. But um, for me, it was like, what difference does a piece of paper make? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a piece of paper. I can be loyal. I can be faithful. I can be committed without having a piece of paper. And honestly, I, I didn't know if I would ever be able to legally get married. And so that's, that's one stupid, silly reason why I didn't think I'd ever get married. But as I have cultivated a deep and meaningful relationship with the person that I love more than life itself, I realized that it's not just about paper. It's not just about signing a contract, but it's a formal binding commitment that I am yours and that you are mine for the rest of my life, that it's permanent, that it's forever. And I say this, one, because I really like talking about myself. (laughs) And two, because I reread and re-listened to Brian's message on um, being a committed church. And he uses the metaphor of marriage because it's an easy metaphor when you talk about commitment. But it's also a reminder of the commitment we should be making to our church body and to each other. So I'm going to steal some of Brian's words. And he gave me permission, so it's not plagiarism. And he said, for some of you, maybe this is your opportunity to get out. You've listened to this series and you realize we're not the church for you. That's okay. Find a place where you fit and go there. And for some of you, most of you here right now, you're already committed. You just need to make it official. So how do we do that here at Refuge? We're not formal. We don't make a big deal about it. We don't make you sign anything in blood or light a candle or take our salt. We just have one simple thing that we ask you to do. If, you're make, if you want to make Refuge your home, there's, we're going to throw a QR code up on the, on the um, screen here. Or if you don't want to whip out your phone right now, if you go to refuge.church slash misfit, it's just a way where you commit to Refuge being your home church. It's your name, your email address, and that's it. We don't ask for anything more. If you want to be a member, if you call this your church home, that's all we ask. And then if you are a member here or you are be- wanting to become a member and be part of the team, be part of the family, and you want to serve, and you want to come alongside your leaders and your teachers and your pastors and your family, this next QR code, and it's a link that we have going around, it's on Facebook, it's in the emails, this is where you 
participate and get involved in the service of your church where you can serve in children's ministry and youth ministry, areas where we need help to make sure that the future, we have a future of our church, to make sure that we are building up young people who learn how to create safe places for all people to find Jesus. This is where you can serve. If you have a a gift in worship, you can be on the worship team. Like Brian said, if you want to preach, this is where you let us know that these are your gifts and your talents. See, that's the thing is being a good steward. It's not just about money. It's not just about finance. It's about being a good steward of the gift God has given you. When I came to Refuge, I told this story two or three times within this series. I was not going to be in ministry. I was done. I was tapped out. I didn't want to do it. And I'm a pretty talented person. That's a joke. They're dead tonight, yo. But I have talents and gifts That God gave me, not for myself, but to use for his kingdom. And when I came home thinking I'm never going to be in ministry again, that was not being a good steward of what God had given me and the call that he had put on my life. And that's what's the most important thing. And as I wrap up, I want to share some of Jesus' words because we all have a call. And in in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus said this, I have given you all authority in heaven and on earth. So go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus gave this great commission, this was a universal call for all people, all ages, all nations, all people, everywhere, from then until the end of eternity. And a deep, committed church recognizes the importance in unity and prayer and commitment and coming together and working together to fulfill the mission of making disciples. Disciples that commit to show up, commit to the purpose, commit to serving, commit to giving, commit to going deep. And more importantly, the most important thing is committing to one another. So as I pray, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we wrap up tonight and we pray and we reflect and we worship, I want you to, I would like and ask you and invite you to meditate on this. Is refuge your home? If not, that's okay. Find a home, find a community, find somewhere where you fit. But if this is your home, may this be your prayer as we move into worship. How how can I actively engage and participate in the work at refuge and making disciples at refuge in the expansion of God's kingdom? in the rebuilding of refuge? Are you in the right place at the right time to make a difference in someone's life? How can I serve my church? And how can I serve the Lord? Father, we worship you tonight. We're so thankful for your hand on our lives. We're so thankful that you have been involved in refuge since day one, that your spirit has been working since day one. I pray, Father, you would speak to our hearts tonight. That, that you would guide us where you want us to go and that we would have the heart to be obedient. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray that you are blessed in this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet every Saturday night at 5.30 at 1901 Brantley Road, Fort Myers. You can catch all of our live stream on Facebook or YouTube at Refuge Church Fort Myers. And we're also on Instagram at refuge.church. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.